Jeffrey Stewart. J-O-F-F-R-E, Jeffrey, S-T-E-W-A-R-T, Stewart. Well, my earliest memories of jazz, well, my, maybe I should start with my earliest memory of music. And my father wanted the racetrack, and he bought a radio. So I heard Bing Crosby as a tenor. The two songs that got us were My Blue Heaven and uh, Pop Goes the Weasel. <laughs> but what the first thing that caught my interest was Paul Whiteman's Rhapsody in Blue, about the same time, 1930. Prior to that, they tell me that I could pick out jazz records, not jazz records, blues records, before I could know the alphabet or could read my name. <laughs> so that was, uh, it was like popular music. Uh, when uh, that song, uh, I'll Be Glad When You're Dead, You Rascal You, came out, a song by uh, Louis Armstrong, I think. My mother said, don't you sing that? Because, you know, she, she was proper and trying to raise us right, you know. <laughs> then a little later, our heads were spinning when the music goes around and around came out. And so it went. Uh, somebody on the radio on one of the comedy shows sang Wagon Wheels. And I was sitting around in the, in the room with my father and his friends and brothers and sisters. We all broke out laughing. Some of us rolled out of the room laughing because this was something like maybe the Baron Munchausen or somebody mocking wagon wheels. You couldn't walk out the door without hearing wagon wheels, you know. <laughs> and so it was easy to, <laughs> to satirize it. <laughs> well, as things went on, we got crazy again when the uh, Tisket or Tasket came out, you know, Ella Fitzgerald. It was in high school where I, in a way I had one of my best jazz experiences because I went to DuSable. This was after King Cole had been to du at DuSable, had graduated, and uh, Gene Ammons was coming there for lessons uh, from Walter Diet. He was enrolled in Englewood, but he came to DuSable for, for music lessons. Johnny Griffin wasn't big enough to hold a tenor, but you could play as alto. <laughs> and so I heard I, that band, if anything they played was second to nothing that was played in Chicago. Uh, I sort of kept up with, with what was going on by going to high school. Uh, in my division meeting, a guy was named Charles was always saying, uh, Pardon me, boy. And I know what the hell he was talking about, you know, <laughs> until I heard Chattanooga Choo Choo. <laughs> and, uh, well, I came back to school one an another semester, and, you know, we had an assembly, and I asked, what do you want, green eyes or Amapola? I knew Amapola, and I liked it. I, I couldn't identify green eyes. So I didn't vote because I felt ignorant, you know, just voting for something just because I knew what it was but didn't know what the other thing was. <laughs> and finally some girls up in the balcony screamed, Green Eyes! And so we played Green Eyes. Then I, I recognized, you know, the tune. I didn't, just didn't know the name. But then he played Amapola. He played, you know, it was 50-50. It was very, very close. He played Amapola, and so I was pleased, too, with that.
One very popular song when I was in high school was, oh, well, I can't, can't think of the name, it was the blues song. I didn't like the persona of Armstrong, but I, I liked his music without realizing it was him. <laughs> All that meat and no potatoes, you know, I liked that very much. I was whistling. I had one disappointment. I, I would do my studying in high school at the library, and when I came home, I didn't have a chance to hear what I wanted to on the radio. That was Glenn Miller and Duke Ellington. <laughs> they were playing it on the radio, but the peop my, my folks wanted to hear the comedy shows. <laughs> so I couldn't hear what, what I wanted to hear most. Uh, I I was walking home from the library with one guy who later on became a fireman. And he was rushing to get home to hear Glenn Miller, you know, that's, that's the way it was. And uh, I remember hearing the voice of uh, Ray Noble on one of those comedy shows, you know. Uh, but it was an English accent, very clipped. As soon as the phoneme got out, it was gone. So I didn't know, uh, you could hardly catch up with him with what he was saying. <laughs> that's how I heard Ray Noble. <laughs> I didn't go much after after what after high school. Well, I I try I didn't dress right, and so I was put out of the Savoy when I guess was it Charlie Parker or Dizzy Gillespie was there. So I didn't I didn't hear much live jazz, although as much as maybe other people did. Certainly people who were interested in it. I was poor and. The price was it was a barrier too. What is it, Russell Ewing? I don't know if you know that. He's I guess he's out of the news now, but he was playing piano when our, all the jazz was around 63rd and College Grove. But when I got in core and we had a dance or something, we had got Gene Ammons, you know, uh, to play for us. Uh, and. I went down to the generic hole at 48th and then South Parkway after core meetings or whatever and watched Gene Ammons in a trio. Ammons, Brubeck on bass, oh, and Wesley Landers playing drums. So Landers was in high school with me. I was watching practicing in the hall. The bass man had his own little group called the Dukes of Swing. So I never really met Gene Ammons, but I started stood around with him, some friends of mine that knew in core. We got down to the, in, in a generic hole, I call it. It was the basement under the Congo Hotel. And uh, he was standing around with his sax, waiting for things to start. And this was about the time Epistrophe came out. And uh, we were telling him he ought to hear Epistrophe, you know. And he just smiled and listened to us. And, <laughs> and that was about as much as I had to say with Gene Ammons. <laughs> On records, he's my favorite musician. Uh, live, the one I liked best was uh, Dexter Gordon. Uh, put them together in a competition, and I think Dexter Gordon could outdo Gene Ammons. <laughs> I saw him in one of those competitions, battles of saxes, they call it. So that was one live set at the, uh, I think it was at the, what used to be the White City Roller Rink.
it had been segregated, and I, when I found it in the winter of 1945-46, and there was a picket line outside it, and I joined the picket line and found CORE. So a guy named Willoughby Abner announced uh, a CORE meeting at their basement at 47th and Michigan. And so uh, we had tests there, and it changed, I guess it changed, it stopped, they stopped having roller skating. And so they got bands, and that's how I heard Dexter Gordon and uh, Gene Hammonds at that spot. So you grew up in the area? The future, it looked the way people are coming to what there is, it looks like a great future. <laughs> Thank you.